You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's a member of our team with this week's message. If you would have told me when I watched this movie as a teenager for the first time, probably behind my mother's back, uh, that I would be speaking on this on a Sunday morning, I mean, that's a, uh, that would have been a, a very radical thought growing up. But here we are, and I didn't want to just skim over the movie. we got to dive into it a little bit. So let's start off. As you saw in the trailer, Jim Carrey's character, Lloyd Christmas, shows up in a limo and hits on this girl. How many of you ladies have ever been hit on? Nobody? God, <laughs> nobody. Okay, I'm going to try this again. You guys got to get a little bit involved with me. How many of you ladies have ever been hit on? Wow, still like five of you. This is, Jamie, you have been hit on by, by me and other men. All right, so, so listen, what if this is your pickup line, right? What if this is your pickup line? Have any of you, maybe I need to ask a better question. Have any of you ever been made fun of for your accent? I definitely have. I travel a lot. And let me tell you, uh, it, when I went back to our headquarters in Luxembourg, which is in the middle of Europe between Belgium, Germany, and France, I got a lot of crazy looks and had to repeat myself a hundred times <laughs> to Europeans because... Uh, not only am I American, but I'm a Southern American, and we like to hold things a little longer, all right? So if you're, if you're a woman and you've been hit on like this, you probably remember it, right? Well, <clears throat> let's thank God that Jim Carrey moved on from this and actually met the woman of his dreams, Miss Mary Swanson. And now he's driving a limo, okay, and he's got to pick up Mary and take her to the airport. So that kind of lets us know right off the bat, Mary's a different class of lady, right? And I'm not saying that none of you ladies are classy. What I'm saying is she's a different, you know, she's up here, right? Money, things like that, because I've never taken the limo to the airport. Is anybody else taking a limo to the airport? I didn't see any hands that time. That's the one I thought we wouldn't see hands on, not the all the other five that we just went through. But he's taking Mary to the airport, and he's trying to make small talk, because this woman has made him just, whoo, you know, he's got a, he's, he's feeling something right here, right? And he's feeling something for Mary. And he proceeds to ask her, why are you headed to the airport? Flying somewhere? How many of you have ever been asked a dumb question? Yes, a couple of you? Okay. The kids are raising their hands. You adults, you have very horrible lives, apparently. You're not jumping in here with me. But we got kids over here throwing their hands up. But we, this woman right here has asked a pretty dumb question, right? It's pretty common sense that she's going to the airport. Well, she gets a lot more than she bargained for. She asked to give Lloyd Christmas a, a tip, and he denies the tip. doesn't want the tip, just wants a hug, just wants a hug. And sometimes we just want a hug, right? But <clears throat> he notices that Mary leaves something, sets something down that she, he thinks she forgets about, but it's a briefcase, and it'll play a big role in not only the movie, but also the sermon. So let's keep moving forward. We go to Mr. Harry Dunn, which is Lloyd's, you know, there's one A dumb and there's one B dumb, and they knock it out of the park. Harry is the guy who decides to spend his entire life savings creating the 84 Sheepdog, which is the picture you see behind me. Now, I know there is one person in this room who would absolutely do that, and it's my brother. He would give his life savings to have the 84 Sheepdog, all right? Now, his wife and their two kids that are on the way to make five would probably not let him do that, okay? So let's go to the next one. What do we got? What do we got? Oh, man. What a, what a knocker right here. So uh, the, the, the movie, as, as, as he's found this briefcase, he's convinced Harry to 
go on a round trip to Aspen, California, as he says, not Colorado, Aspen, California, to, re to return this briefcase to Mary. And Harry's not on board. And eventually there's a moment where Harry becomes on board and they decide to go. And now these guys, as you can imagine, don't have a lot of money. They're not in the best of situations. And uh, it's a really tight budget to stop everything they're doing in their life, which is really nothing. But to, to take a briefcase to some woman they don't know all the way to Aspen, Colorado from where they live in Rhode Island. And Lloyd convinces Harry to do this and they set off. They're on the road, and all of a sudden, Lloyd takes out of his pocket a snack and starts eating it in front of Harry. And Harry, being the responsible one that he is, says, Lloyd, where did you get that? Where, where, what are you doing? We only have a set amount of money to go to Aspen and come back. And he goes, oh, no big deal. I, I sold some things before we left. And come to find out, he sells the decapitated bird to a blind, handicapped child. Now, there's levels of messed up, and then there's this. And Lloyd knocks it out of the park. So, going forward, this man named Joe wanted the briefcase that Mary left. And there's a, there's a, a hidden thing going on here that Lloyd does not know about. Doesn't know what's going on, and Harry doesn't either. But Joe was supposed to get the briefcase. And Joe thinks that Harry and Lloyd are real-life, authentic criminals. They're there uh, to... They're on to Joe. They know what's going on. So Joe sets out this plan to try to figure these guys out. He acts like his car is broke down on the side of the road. And knowing Harry and Lloyd, he just, he, he's got a pretty good idea that these cats are going to pick him up. Why? Because they continue to do dumb stuff. How many of you, when you first started driving, your mom and dad said, do not pick up hitchhikers? Yeah. It happened for me. Do not pick up the hitchhiker, Kyle. Don't do it. Well, what does Harry and Lloyd do? They pick up the hitchhiker, and we move into the most annoying sound of the world, which is a classic scene from the movie. From there, they go to a restaurant called Dante's Inferno, and Joe, being the classy man that he is, gives them a double dare. And Lloyd and Harry, they can't resist a double dare. I mean, come on, how can you resist a double dare? And they proceed to eat the pepper, and then you get one of the more iconic scenes from the entire movie. Now, I, my best friend, his dad, loves peppers. I mean, he, he will eat a whole habanero, not even cut it up, not, not try to reduce the heat. Any, anyway, he'll pick up that, eat it raw, never breaks a sweat. Well, recently he made a huge mistake, got a Carolina Reaper on like the highest level you can get. And I can tell you, he was sweating and he wished he would have had some ketchup and mustard to, to quell out the heat, right? So moving forward, Harry is again, the responsible, right? right? He's the one doing all the driving, and he gets tired. He needs a break from driving, and he gives the seat over to Lloyd. And what does Lloyd do? Once Harry falls asleep, proceeds to take a wrong turn, and you're left with what you see here where the Rocky Mountains don't look as rocky as he thought they would, right? This is a, a cornfield in Nebraska, way off from Colorado, okay? Well, <clears throat> at this point, Harry knows they don't have enough money to get back to Rhode Island. He, he knows it. Again, he's the responsible one. He's trying to map out everything, make sure it all flows right so they can get back home and get back to their life. And he has a lose-it moment with, with Lloyd Christmas. And Lloyd proceeds to redeem the day and goes and gets a little kid motorcycle to take them to Aspen so that they have enough money 
to go to Colorado and come back home. And uh, if you've ever seen the movie, the motorcycle is not fit for the eight-year-old that's walking around out here, all right? So <clears throat> once they get to Aspen, you know, it's freezing, right? It's the middle of winter, and Harry's hands are freezing. And he's like, man, I wish I had some gloves trying to warm up his hands. And Jim Carrey's character, Lord Christmas, proceeds to take off the extra pair of gloves he's had on the entire time they've been in this freezing weather, all right? Well, from here, <clears throat> from here, we find out that Lloyd is got a thing for got a thing for Harry, all right, or uh, not for Harry, for Mary. And uh, Lloyd has asked Harry to help set up the moment, right? The moment he's going to wine and dine Mary and and make make him hers, and uh, or make her his. How's that go, right? Do we know? It doesn't matter. It's Dumb and Dumber, all right. So so as we're moving forward, they found out what's in this suitcase because Harry lost it with the gloves well they find out it's a ton of money and what do they do people who've never had money before what do we tend to do with it we spend it and boy do they and so in this moment where they're trying to have this 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 time where he's trying to connect the dots for Larry to spend time with Mary Harry is going to spend the time with Mary he's going to get back at Lloyd for something Lloyd done way back in the day and while they're there Harry sees some frost and proceeds to put his tongue on it. And as we see the gruesome picture here, it's, it's not ideal. But how many of you have ever seen frost and decided to lick it? Okay, again, no, I expected nobody to raise their hand here. All right, so I, I would think that would be a very bad idea. But as Lloyd has figured out what Harry's doing, and he's figured out that, that Harry is really uh, trying, to, trying to block him from seeing Mary, you know, everything kind of comes unraveled. And... Lloyd makes his move with Mary. And as the iconic scene goes, she tells him there's not a one in a million chance. And, and, and what, what happens with Lloyd? He gets so excited that there is a chance. And every man in this room knows that feeling. Every one of you. Ladies, hey, I'm not saying you've never hit on your husband, but, you know, I know every man knows that feeling. That, man, there's a chance that I can be with, with her. And so Lloyd is so excited. He's so ready. But there's one thing that Lloyd didn't notice from the time he saw Mary. Mary actually ends up being married. And he has convinced Harry to go on this trip all, of, you know, all through, the, through the Midwest to come to Colorado. And she's been married this entire time. And that crushes his soul, right? Because we as men, we draw a line, right? We don't hit on a married woman, right? Nobody, everybody. You, so you guys sitting out here hit on a married woman outside your wife. I'm telling you. There is a, uh, you can hear a pin drop out here sometimes. It's been like that since we started. I thought we would get to the point where you would start saying yes or no, or yes or no, or you just go back and forth, okay? So with Harry and Lloyd, we've kind, of, we've kind of got to this point where we know Harry and Lloyd are headed back home. So this is a perfect time to introduce you to the Bible and to introduce you to some dumb stuff in the Bible. So let's go. Let's start with Moses. Moses, in Numbers 20, I want to say 7, Numbers 20, <clears throat> God tells him that he wants him to use the staff and speak to the rock for water to come out for the people of Israel when they're going to uh, the promised land. You know, they've left Egypt, and they're, they're going home. God, they're finally going to the place God's prepared for them. And what does Moses do? Instead of speaking to the rock, he smites the rock. Well, what happens? He gets to take them to essentially the door of the promised land, but he never gets to go in. 
I'd say that cost him a lot, right? It cost him a lot. Let's go to David. If you're familiar with David, you probably know the story of Bathsheba. Now, David is the king. He owns the castle, right? He's got every right to be on top of this, on top of this, uh, top of the castle. But he does not have a right when he sees a woman taking a bath to say, go get her and bring her to the castle, right? Especially if she's married. Well, we come to find out Bathsheba is married. And I don't know if you know, but during that time, you didn't deny the king. Uh, the king got what he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted. Didn't matter if he was uh, David or he was Micah sitting here on the front row, right? Didn't matter. If it was, if, if in that time, he got what he wanted, okay? So, <clears throat> David commits adultery with Bathsheba. She becomes pregnant. And not only does he end up uh, not only committing adultery, he also commits murder. And so Uriah, who is out in the field fighting a war for, by the way, King David to grow his land and, and his reach, things like that, which probably where David should have been to begin with, right? Well, he calls Uriah back because he wants to try to cover this up. Oh, Uriah will come back. He'll sleep with his wife, blah, 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 blah so on and so forth. Well, Uriah was so honorable that he refused to even sleep in his own house while he came back. He slept on the, the actual doorstep to enter his house because he wouldn't do that if his men were out in the field fighting. He wouldn't do it. So David has what he believes in, 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 in his idea is to essentially whack Uriah, puts him on the front line, and Uriah is murdered. Well, God sends Nathan the prophet to him, and Nathan tells him, rolls out this story, this hypothetical. David says, oh, this guy should be killed. He should, he should die. And Nathan tells him, hey, you're the guy in the hypothetical. And David has this moment like, oh, what have I done? He's got to fix it, right? He's got to, got to get it together. Well, what happens is Nathan tells him, God's not going to take your life, but I'm going to take your son's life. And so David ends up losing a son. So you kind of a jacked up situation right David committed adultery and then he murdered somebody and then he loses his son it's pretty messed up okay let's go to Peter Peter denied Christ three times and then he wasn't there with him when he actually died you know I can't imagine walking with Christ you know as I as we know him today right you know we we have our Bibles we do our grow groups we're part of community we're part of understanding who God is I can't imagine if I had Jesus in my life for the amount of time Peter did that I would do something like that but the reality is Peter did and uh, Peter left went away and wept bitterly I say that was a pretty dumb decision right and then we're gonna wrap up with Saul who became Paul Saul was a persecutor of Christians and not only was he a scholar and he knew the word very well he also played a big part in persecuting Christians and in Acts it even tells us that when Stephen was being stoned to death that the people who were stoning him laid their coats at, at Saul's feet. And uh, we also know that Saul admits what he does later on in Acts, talking about that he did persecute Christians, that he did do things that were not something that honored God, right? It wasn't something that built up his faith, brought people closer, closer to God. But thank God that he doesn't judge us based off of all of our dumb decisions, right? He doesn't just tear us down and leave us out to dry okay so let's look at some of the good that we know these guys for so Moses Moses he did lead the Israelites out of Egypt God used him for that purpose 
And what's the other thing, too, is he wrote a little bit more than 20% of the Bible. He's the, he's the largest author of the entire Bible, which is pretty cool to think about. David. We know David was known as the man after God's own heart. And, and when David was anointed king, it was said that, you know, I'm looking for somebody that is coming after my heart. You know, he got, the Bible talks about that I need a man after my own heart. But even David's mistakes, even something as horrible as committing adultery, murder, Losing, losing a son because of his decisions, it didn't keep him from still being known as the man after God's own heart. Let's go to Peter. What we know about Peter is before he ever denied Christ, before he ever wasn't there for the death, he was anointed to be the rock that which the church would be built on. He was anointed that. Jesus knew that what he would do. Jesus knew he would fail, but he still anointed him to be the rock on which the church was built. And then Paul, as, as he becomes known, once he comes to Christ, he spreads the gospel throughout most of the known world at that time, and he has written 12 books of the Bible that you and I read to this day. So how does that tie into dumb and dumber? How does something that's dumb in Scripture also tie into this movie? Well, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a key point that happens early on in the movie. And as you can imagine, once Lloyd has picked up Mary... And he leaves the limo out and at the airport, and it's, it's there. He ends up getting in a wreck, all these things. He loses his job, okay? Harry, as you saw on the clip, the dogs show up, and they're, they're there for a competition, and they're completely jacked up. And, of course, he gets fired. So after this moment, they go, and they have this conversation. Harry says, I can't believe we drove around all day, and there's not a single job in this town. Nothing, not a zip. And Lloyd says, yeah, unless you want to work 40 hours. <laughs> See, these guys at this point in their life, they weren't willing to put in the work. And it's not just, you know, just dumb things that they were doing. They weren't willing to put in the work really for anything. They, they, they're, they're, they're living in a horrible place. Um, you know, they've, they've lost their job. They're not willing to do what they need to do to, one, survive, but to provide for themselves. Until a few moments later, Lloyd has this moment, this awakening moment, I, I would like to call it. And he says, you know what I'm sick and tired of, Harry? I'm sick and tired of having to eke my way through life. I'm sick and tired of being a nobody. Most of all, I'm sick and tired of having nobody. So Lloyd, whether he was trying to manipulate Harry or not, right, he has this moment where he's tired. He's tired of living life the way he's living it. He wants something better. He wants something bigger. And he sets off this chain of actions that, uh, let's, just, let's just call it what it is, very dumb, right? And they take it to the next level uh, when, it, when it comes to being dumber. But here's the cool thing is they, even though they were in the wrong place, they chose to do the right thing, right? What did we say at the beginning? Doing the right thing in the wrong place is still doing the right thing because Lloyd found this briefcase and he had to do everything in his power to get it back to Mary had to do everything in his power and so he set out this plan he has this moment leads him to Aspen but she's married so he doesn't get the girl but he did what he set out to do he returned the briefcase even though it didn't have any money in it he returned the briefcase so if we if we have one thing that we can take away not just from dumb and dumber but this sermon this time together this moment I want to tell you, God guides, you grind. God guides, you grind. 
So I can't guarantee you that everything in your life is going to go right. I can't guarantee you that every decision you make is going to work out. I can't guarantee you that even doing the right things, that there's going to be always positive results. I can't guarantee that. This isn't a prosperity gospel sermon. This is real life. You're going to make some dumb decisions. And you know what? The chances are you're probably going to compound them by making some dumber decisions. All right? But the cool thing is that when we start thinking about Moses, Moses, even though he wasn't going to get to go to the promised land, he still led his people where they were supposed to go. Even though he knew it, he knew what he had done, he was told he wouldn't enter the promised land, he still done what he was called to do. He still took them to the doorstep, and he got to experience that. David, with his son, the prophet has told him he's going to lose this son. What does David do? He fasts and he prays night and day until the son dies. If he knew the son was going to die. He was already been told they're going to die. Didn't matter. Didn't matter to David. He had to try to do what he thought was the right thing for God to save his son. What about Peter? History tells us that Peter didn't just go into a corner and weep and cry for, for the rest of his life. Peter rallied. Peter became the rock on which the church was built. And Peter ended up being beheaded in Rome by Emperor Nero. Why? Because Nero believed that the Christians were the, the starters of the fires that ravaged Rome at that time. And Peter ended up dying for his faith. He didn't let his failure, his denial, dictate what he did the rest of his life. And what about Paul? We know what Paul did. Paul, Paul, Paul wrote letters. Paul done everything in his power once he became saved to, to be the, the bridge between God and the world. He did everything possible to preach about Christ, going to city after city after city, speaking the word. He didn't let his failures and murder derail him. You know, we get, we get beat up sometimes because, you know, we forgot to read the Bible today. I guess I can't be a Christian anymore. You know, I struggle with that. You know, I've struggled with that in my life. You know, because I, I get emotional, right? And I just say, oh, I'm too busy, this or that, that or this, you know? But the cool thing is when we understand that God guides and we meet him there, we meet him, we, do, we, take, we take our steps, we take our punches, and we get back up and we do the little things over and over and over. I'm telling you, God will meet you there. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.